What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Roots, Rednecks, and Radicals podcast. Today, we're going to learn something new and interesting in the world of Americana, roots, and folk music. But before we get to that, I want to say a quick reminder to like, follow, and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And if you're on social media, give me a follow if you haven't already. I'm on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Just search up the name of the show and you'll find me there. All right, let's get to today's episode. Today, we're talking about how country music is having a bit of a moment in the mainstream. Uh, three songs have, uh, three artists have made a name for themselves in the public consciousness. Jason Aldean and his song, Try That in a Small Town. Oliver Anthony and his song, Rich Men, North of Richmond. And uh, Zach Bryan coming out with a new album last week. Uh, I think all songs are noteworthy and worth talking about. The first two have served in many ways to uh, divide us further further politically. And that third one, I think, is, is kind of serving to unite us. So I kind of do a breakdown of the songs and talk about that and do a little analysis. So there you go. I hope you dig it. All right, well, let's get into it. Country music has been having a bit of a moment the last couple of months with some songs making headlines and getting discussions going on social media, lots of arguments, lots of politics been talking. And uh, in general, I, I like don't like to get too, too into politics on this show. Um, I definitely have a point of view, and uh, I like music that shares my point of view, obviously. But um, I don't generally do a deep dive into stuff. But today I'm going to, so this is not your thing. I apologize, but I think it's important to address these issues. So I'm going to be talking about Jason Aldean and his song, Try That in a Small Town. I'm going to be talking about Oliver Anthony and his song, Rich Men, North of Richmond. And then I'm going to be talking a little bit about um, Zach Bryan and his new album that is coming out. So let's jump into it with some Jason Aldean. Now, first of all, I have to address this issue that this song was not written by Jason Aldean. It's written by four other guys. Three of the dudes are from, uh, um, you know, not... Huge cities, not metropolitan areas necessarily, but definitely not small towns, you know, towns that are above 100,000 people in population. And by nobody's standard is that considered a small town. So I don't think that the, the song at its core is really even written from the perspective of a person who grew up in a small town and knows what it's uh, like. And I think that's pretty problematic just on uh, the surface. I also think it's problematic that this song is... Um, just basically an ode to vigilantism, um, and, and which is just kind of crazy to me. And uh, the the whole thing is just kind of a, a a veiled threat to people. If you disagree with my politics, then uh, you know we're gonna come get you. We're gonna round you up and lynch you or do something like that. And there's so many instances in our history's past that has to do with this that are super, super problematic. And uh, I just don't think that's a thing that we really need to uh, dive into that we need to support and I uh, think is a good thing. And so many things have been said about this song already that I almost kind of pause to even talk about it. But I do think it's important uh, to address um, and, 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 and point out some of the specific things that are problematic in here. It's full of dog whistles um, uh, that are reaching out to, to, to one, pipe, one type of person and uh, trying to unite them. And that's the core of the thing that really bothers me about this song is that it, it does have a political perspective. And the political perspective isn't to bring people together, but rather to divide and 
uh, and to serve one political party uh, in this country, one type of ideology in this country. And I don't think that that is what good music does. I don't think that that's what uh, good folk music, good country music, good any kind of music does. Uh, I, I think that music should be used as a a, a tool for, for bringing people together and uh, not just dividing us all the time. Um, another thing that, that, that is at the core of the song that I, I don't like is that I, I feel like it's very anti-democracy. Um, uh, vigilantism is just the opposite of what this country is supposed to be founded upon. We're supposed to be founded upon rule of law. Um, we're supposed to be founded upon uh, people being able to um, uh, bring their, their, their disagreements together, vote on them, and then come up with some sort of compromise to move forward and uh, legislation and things that we can all uh, uh, agree on. So this sense of uh, if, if, if I don't like your political views, I'm going to round up a posse and we're going to come, you know, rough you up, threaten you, um, acts of violence, maybe even kill you. Uh, this is this is dark. It's very dark, you know. Um, the, the, the amount of lynchings that took place in the Jim Crow South is, uh, is staggering and, um, and, 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 and vile and awful. And, uh, the, the courthouse that they filmed this music video in front of, uh, was, was filmed in front of this, this courthouse where a very famous lynching took place in the 1920s, which fit into the narrative of, uh, of, of this, this Southern, um, uh, mob rule vigilante kind of thing, uh, killing a person and then, you know, hanging the body at the at, at the central location um, of the county and and that is just so hugely problematic uh, and I can't see that that would ever be like an accident in any way you know and that was pointed out I didn't see Aldine uh, apologizing for that um, uh, sort of uh, referencing the, the the racism of the past in Tennessee and in the south and lynchings like that taking place and uh, I just I just find that to be just such a huge huge problem. Um, and, and to come back to this, this idea of vigilantism, um, uh, what really stood out to me when I first heard this song was all the historical stuff that had taken place, but then also an instant incident that took place here in Northern Nevada, uh, in, in, in 2020. And it was connected to the black lives matter protests. It was connected to George Floyd that summer where everything was going on COVID. There was the lockdowns. There was uh, George Floyd, there was protests. And it was, if you remember back a couple years ago, it was it was tense. It was super super tense, and there was um, protests in in my town, which isn't a big town. It's about I think uh, uh, you know almost fifty five thousand people now. Um, so not not a huge town, but there's still um, Black Lives Matter protests, and then there was counter protests to those protests, and it was uh, going back and forth. I attended um, protests in, in in Reno and in Carson, uh, just going out there trying to show um, some, some solidarity and uh, had some conversations. I actually went to the the counter protest where it was a bunch of uh, MAGA types, you know, Trump supporters with AR-15s and stuff like that, and I would go and and try and have conversations with them. I don't recommend that. Um, it's <laughs> <laughs> the conversations don't really go anywhere. You know, it, it's at the core of who I am. I'm a, I'm a social studies teacher. And so I want rule of law. I want democracy. I want civics. I want people engaging in in, in their, their, their rights to voice their opinion. That's really important to me. And so oftentimes I'll go to protests that are the, the people who are opposite of what I think. And I, and I go there to talk to them. Um, uh, it wasn't super productive, uh, in, in this case, just a lot of threats and guns and, and stupidities and QA non stuff. And you're just like, man, 
this is not um, uh, helping helping anything. Well, in the midst of all that, in the town of uh, Minden, Gardnerville, uh, which is about 20 minutes south of, uh, of where I live here in Carson City, there was a, a library, the, the, the county library, um, who wanted to show their solidarity with um, uh, people of color. And so they put up a, a Black Lives Matter sign uh, in the library uh, just to show support um, uh, with, uh, you know, um, people across the country. Well, the, the sheriff of the town um, decided that um, that if they were going to do that, that he would he was not going to protect them anymore. That if anyone called, if they had a problem at the library, um, since they they chose the other side politically, he said, um, I'm not going to send any sheriffs to protect you. And that's just kind of mind boggling right there. Right. Like when you talk about civics, like one of the core things about, about what holds a democracy together is this idea that like I have my ideas, you have your ideas. But if you guys win, then I'm, I'm not going to gripe about it. I'm not going to say, uh, oh, you cheated and whatnot. You know, as long as the, the election's fair, um, then, you know, you win and, uh, and, and, and that's it. And also that people who are elected and hired to serve as teachers, police officers, people who work with the public, um, who are paid by the government, the state, the city, uh, the county, whatever, those people are there to represent the entire community. So whether you're a politician who's elected or you're a police officer or you're a teacher, you're paid by tax dollars to represent the people of your city, of your state, of your county, whatever the case may be. And that means you have to protect everybody. You have to serve everybody. I've taught for 20 years now. I've taught over 3,000 students. You know, the variety of um, uh, and the spectrum of, of political beliefs of my students and of their parents is huge. I, I've taught every walk of life as a teacher. And as a teacher, especially as a history teacher, I have to teach what actually happened and, um, and and not pick sides. You know, I can't just push my own agenda. Uh, and I expect the same of police officers. I expect the same of everyone who's paid by the government uh, to do that. In this case, that sheriff was, was negligent. The sheriff was saying, I'm not going to protect people of my own community because I disagree with them politically. And that's authoritarianism. That is not democracy. That is the opposite of democracy. And that is the thing that, 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 that pissed me off so much about this situation is that this guy got caught up in something man and 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 hopefully he's been reflective of it in the time since but i i really don't hold out much hope that he has Uh, but what happened was he decided to do that and so then um uh, black lives matter from northern nevada kind of based out of Reno for the most part because it's the biggest city around here, um, wanted to go protest because that's a ridiculous um, uh, thing to happen. So um, they, they you know, put it on social media. Hey, we're going to protest the sheriff of Minden, you know, because um, we think that this is messed up, right? Well, in that time period, obviously, conspiracy theories are running rampant on uh, the internet. Uh, there were fires all around us that, that, that summer as well to add to the chaos of everything. And um, people were talking about all kinds of crazy conspiracy theories. Remember Marjorie Taylor Greene and her Jewish space laser thing? That's what's starting the fires, like all that stuff, right? Well, this conspiracy theory starts that um, that Oakland, California, is going to send Black Lives Matter and Antifa to Minden, Nevada, to burn down the town. Okay, so let that sink in just for a second. So Black Lives Matter in Oakland, they're sitting around and they're thinking, you know what, we got time to do. We got time <laughs> to send busfuls of Antifa and BLM protesters, and we're going to burn down 
this small town of Minden, Nevada, which is it's, it's small ish. It's around. I think their population is like 20,000 or so just to give you some perspective. Well, I mean, it, it's just ridiculous on the surface. That wasn't going to happen. People weren't coming in from California. And, and if you don't know Nevada, Nevada is all about like it's anti-California hate. Um, so like if you're not from Nevada, if you're a Californian, you know, people are goddamn Californians uh, all the time. It's, it's one of those rivalry type of things. So so that was kind of in there as well, even though like everyone here is from California, like it, it's kind of ridiculous. But that's a whole other um, subject. So nonetheless, this uh, nonsensical conspiracy theory goes out there that Oakland, Black Lives Matter and Antifa are sending in people to burn down uh, the town. So what happened was hundreds and hundreds of right-wing MAGA, uh, far-right protesters um, showed up on the day when Black Lives Matter was supposed to be there. And how the numbers turned out was there was around 30 or so Black Lives Matter protesters and pushing a thousand of these MAGA Trump supporters with AR-15s and pickups and flags. And you've seen it on TV and you know exactly uh, what I'm talking about. Now, this is a powder keg. This is a situation where someone can get really hurt. And luckily, uh, spoiler alert, no one really gets hurt. There's there's a lot of a lot of stuff that goes down, but no one gets shot. No one gets killed, which is, is, is great. Uh, but that's only because of luck. That's not because the sheriff of Minden was doing his job, which he was not. He made this happen. And that's what's so frustrating about this is that he should have been a leader. He should have put this down. But instead, he was calling for people to come and uh, protect the city and all this kind of stuff. And it's just crazy. They basically riled up a posse with guns to come oppose basically young people, teenagers and people in their early 20s and, 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 and go harass and bully those people. And it is vile what happened on that day. There's there's articles that were written. Uh, Sierra Nevada Ally uh, published an article, which is a, a publication I, I write for. And they did a great job of a person. They had a person there who... Uh, um, who, who um, saw, saw everything that went down and uh, was harassed with the protesters, um, insulted, spit on, and bullied by these guys, uh, by the counter-protesters. And I just want to share uh, a, a little clip from that story. Um, this is written by Kelsey Penrose. And um, I just wanted to, to share a little quote um, uh, from that story. Spoiler alert on this, uh, there is some uh, some some F-bombs in there and, and some, uh, some pretty vile language, but this is what was said to her. And so I'm just going to go ahead and read um, read her quote. So this is her perspective of being with the Black Lives Matter protesters surrounded by hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of gun-wielding uh, Trump supporters who are who are riled up um, because they think they're protecting their town uh, from people who want to ransack it. Okay. So she says this. She says, when I got close and stood next to a young female reporter from KOLO, Channel 8, that's a, that's a Reno um, uh, TV, the Reno news uh, program. Um, when I got close to that female reporter and attempted to listen to what the young man was saying, a large, aggressive white man came up beside me and attempted to shove me out of the way. Quote, take your fucking misconduct out of here, unquote. The man screamed in my ear, showering me with spit from his unmasked mouth which hovered only inches from me. Sir, I said, holding my hand up between us to attempt to separate him from my space. Quote, motherfucker, he screamed, rattling my eardrums. Sir, please, I said to him, while attempting to hold my camera steady. Quote, I'll fucking yell if I want to. And if you don't like it, you can leave. Unquote, he screamed, one inch from my face, yet again covering me with spit. Quote, sir, this is not appropriate, I told him calmly, though I felt anything but. I mean, 
that you can read the article go to sierra nevada ally and, and search up you know all the stuff and you can find that article it, it's 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 gross man that that day was an embarrassment um it was an anti-democratic vigilante nonsensical thing that was that was just caught up because of all this conspiracy theories that was being spread on social media uh largely facebook and the reason that applies to the try that try this in a small town is because that's the kind of thing that's going to happen. That's the kind of thing uh, that they're they're referencing in in that song. And so it's it's a it's a veiled threat, but it's almost not even a veiled threat. You know, it's almost it's like out in the open. And uh, and that's the type of thing. Those types of songs want to promote that type of political violence and authoritarianism and anti-democracy sentiment. And I think that that is hugely problematic. So zero of 10 stars from me on Try That in a Small Town. All right, moving on to the next song, Oliver Anthony. Uh, man, this guy went viral out of nowhere. And um, there's a whole thing that happened there. But at this point, if you haven't heard um, Northman, uh, Richmond, north of Richmond, or heard anything about it, then um, then you're a lucky person because it's been uh, everywhere. So I just want to go over kind of some of the developments that have happened because this is kind of a a developing story, so to speak. But there's uh, quite a bit of stuff that is, has has gone down in connection to um, this song. So. Um, again, a lot has been said about um, uh, about this song, and um, and especially the part I'm going to talk about with uh, when it comes to um, welfare and, and stuff like that. Uh, but the main thing that I want to uh, talk about is that this was clearly an astroturf campaign. Okay, and now it seems to me that Oliver Anthony wasn't really part of that, uh, but we'll get to that in just a second. So the publication, online publication, Saving Country Music, uh, reported that Jason Howerton, um, who is a, a right-wing blogger and influencer, he conceived of this campaign. Now, he works with a guy named Dan Bongino. If you don't know Dan Bongino, search it up. You, you, you might have seen him on social media. He's a Fox News contributor. He's a right-wing podcast host and... Um, you know, just the word. I think if you're, if you're trying to pick sort of a neutral word for this guy, I would say provocateur. Um, sort of a guy who likes to. You know, he has his right wing perspective, but he likes. He's very aggressive, and he and he likes to piss people off and that kind of a stuff. Um, which you know, uh, there's people on the left who do that. I think both sides do that, um, and that's a whole other discussion as to whether that's good or bad. But nonetheless, um, he has a massive following. And uh, and and uh, he and Jason Howerton worked together to 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 broadcast this song to right wing blogs like Matt Walsh and Ben Shapiro, um, and then uh, Joe Rogan uh, made mention of it as well. Um, again, if you want to call Joe Rogan right wing or not, that's a whole discussion we can have. But um, that that could be its own uh, uh, podcast on its own. Um, and so so these guys worked together to really astroturf this song, um, and they 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 put it out there, and it was successful. You know, it, it resonated with a lot of people. And and got millions of views, millions of listens, YouTube, Spotify, the whole bit. Um, you know how it goes. And uh, now this dude is is you know kind of a, a small sound guy from Virginia, and now he's everywhere, which is pretty wild um, that that kind of thing can happen like that. To me, there's a couple things about the song that feels a bit sloppy. I think he's kind of a new songwriter, and um, and I'll talk a bit about a video that he released um, uh, recently where he's kind of reflecting on the song. Um, and so I don't think that that's that's not meant to be a mean criticism. I just don't think that it meant it communicated things that he meant it to communicate in the right way. And I think if you talk to any songwriter, they'll tell you 
oh yeah, I have a song that, you know, I, I said this, I didn't mean it that way, but that's how it landed with people. And so that's, that's its own thing. I'm a songwriter. Uh, I'm not popular at all, uh, but I play, I write my own music. Um, I actually started writing music as a part of therapy, um, uh, to be honest with you. The first song I, I wrote that, um, that I was really, really proud of, um, was a song I wrote, um, uh, that a therapist told me, maybe, maybe try putting this to words. And, um, it was, it was about my dad and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, I was really proud of that song. Um, I, I think my songs are fine. Um, but, um, I, they're obviously not popular, not as popular as, as him by any means. Um, but so I don't mean that as a criticism, like, oh, you suck. But I, I mean it like, it just, there's, there's some, some parts that, are, that feel a little sloppy to me. Um, the main thing for me though, is this Reaganomics kind of vibe that he goes into halfway. Um, he's talking about, it's kind of the, the welfare queen motif, right? That, um, you got obese people, milk and welfare, and that that's the problem uh, with what's going on. Now to me that, that that's uh, problematic for a couple of reasons. One, uh, you're putting the blame on the wrong place. And two, that has nothing to do uh, with your income, right? Um, I mean, in the sense that like, oh, they take taxes, but uh, but it's not by any means a direct thing. And and much more of your, your taxes are going to uh, fighting rich men's wars and stuff like that than it is to, to give them fudge rounds to obese people on welfare. So that's really problematic. But the main thing is that, that I was bummed is that it had this working class anthem kind of feel to it, very populist. He's like you know, just like very passionately uh, expressing what's wrong with um, the world where when you work, you know, a 40 hour week and you can't pay your bills, you know, two a, a couple, two people working 40 hour weeks can barely make rent um, in, in my town. The p- prices have, have jumped uh, so high. Um, and so so he was really trying to, I think, do a good job of um, expressing that 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 fear and that resentment and that that frustration at not being able to make it, even though you're working hard. Um, and, and, and working class people have a real reason to be angry. They have a real reason to be angry at the government. They have a real reason to be angry at corporate America, at the billionaires, at our economy as a whole, at the real estate market. It's because in America right now, you can work really hard and not make it. And that was the story that we were told growing up is that if you work hard, keep your nose to the grindstone, all that stuff, that you're going to do well, that you're going to make it in life. And at, at this point in American history, it's not always the case. So I think the song does a good job at expressing that um, type of thing. But what I think where he misses, uh, for me at least, is that um, the real blame for the um, the, the amount of uh, income uh, distribution, um, uh, the unfair income distribution in America, uh, really lies on corporate America. For the last 50 years, the uh, corporate structure has been um, to, to basically milk as much money out of the working class as possible and uh, stock that away in the billionaire class. Um, and and a lot of people don't understand what what profit means when we're talking about the stock market and when we're talking about corporations and the economy and all that kind of stuff. So after a company, uh, take like like Walmart or big oil company or, or whatever uh, corporation you want to talk about, after they pay all their bills, which means paying the workers, paying the, the CEO, paying the top brass, the managers, everybody, after everybody gets paid, um, when they report profits, that means the money that they have on top of that. Okay, so everyone's been paid, everyone's been got their health care, all that kind of stuff. And then they still have billions of dollars of profit 
on top of that. Well, what do they do for the most part? Um, oftentimes, they'll reinvest it in the comp in the company, which will pay dividends to the to the stockholders. Uh, so so the already wealthy who already have a bunch of money in this company, um, it pays dividends to them. Um, and they'll also oftentimes just pay huge bonuses to um, uh, to the CEO and the top brass of the company. And so that's really the problem. And and instead of uh, putting the blame of someone eating fudge rounds. Someone, uh, quote unquote, milking welfare, uh, which is a tiny percentage of the problem. Put the blame on the people who are stealing your wages. If you're a railroad railroad worker and your company is posting record profits and they take those profits and give it to the CEOs, that those are your wages. You are the worker. You are the person who made that thing happen. The CEO, whatever, they coordinated it. They, you know, sent emails and blah, blah, blah. But like the workers are the ones who make the thing happen. So if you want to be mad at anybody, you should be mad at the billionaires. You should be mad at the CEOs. You should be mad at the people who are at the top who are doing these things to you. And another thing connected to that is that uh, for the last 50 years in that same time period, what we've seen is this uh, this giant, no other way to say it other than a propaganda campaign of uh, people at the top and on the right trying to convince working class people that this structure works best for them. This, this voodoo economics, trickle down um, economics type of thing. Corporations are independent and they're, they're, they're vulnerable to, to collective action. Um, so what these people want to do is they want to keep them invisible. Um, you, you don't want working class people thinking about corporations. You want them constantly pissed off at this nebulous quote unquote government and, and, and you want them to feel powerless to change it. But the fact of the matter is in our democracy, we have the power of the vote and we have the power of collective action and collective action mainly comes in the form of when it comes to workers joining unions. Now, I posted a video about this online, got a, uh, you know, tens of thousands of views, pretty decent amount of views. Lots and lots of comments. Unions are corrupt. Unions don't help anybody. Unions make things worse. Here's the thing, man. There is corruption in unions for sure. Jimmy Hoffa, probably the most uh, front of mind example of that. But here's the thing about uh, corruption. There are ways to fix that corruption. We have the National Labor Relations Board. We have the Department of Justice. And if you do some basic searching, you'll find that there have been many people prosecuted of crimes for that. So if you want to say, let's, uh, you know, let's let's pass legislation that makes it easier for whistleblowers. Let's say you're in a union that is corrupt and uh, and, and you want to do some whistleblower activity to expose that and to, to, to fix that. Let's make it easier for that because nobody wants that. Nobody wants the unions to, um, you know, become the new kind of corporate overlords, which has happened in the past. And so absolutely, let's prosecute that. But that doesn't change the fact that the only way working class people will have a collective voice about their paycheck is by joining a union. Think about it. Is there any other way that you have a way to talk to your boss? And if you're in a, in a small company, I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the Walmarts, the oil companies, the railroad companies, these big corporations, right? If you work for them, you have zero way to communicate to, to the higher ups, unless you're in a union and your union says, all right, we're going to shut things down and go on strike unless you listen to us. And then you have a collective voice that you're able to go represent you and your voice and go talk to uh, management. And then the union gets to vote on it. And um, and, and that's how contracts are made. Um, uh, I've been uh, pretty happy with my union. I'm a teacher and um, and we've gotten some, um, some, some good contracts in recent years. Um, but we've also had collective action. We've met at the Nevada State Legislature, which is here in my town in Carson City. And teachers from all over northern Nevada have gone and had rallies 
please and and promoted our voice as far as what teachers need and um, and we've gotten some good contracts out of it it can be done it's still being done uh, workers at, at, at Ford right now are, are, are threatening to strike and you've heard about strikes all over the place but unions can represent working class people across the spectrum so if you're a barista if you're a teacher if you are a, a, an auto worker if you work for the railroads if you do construction it's not just people who work with their hands and and have you know quote unquote dirty jobs um uh, so to speak but it, it, it's it's all of us basically right now if you're not management or upper class then then you're the working class all of us are and we should be working together to fight for better pay healthcare, all the stuff that we need to, um, uh, to make it. Cause you, we should live in a world where uh, you, you work 40 hours a week, you get a living wage, you can buy a house, you can live comfortably. We can do that. It's not, it's not rocket science and it's not crazy or radical to think that like working people should be able to have a comfortable, happy life. That's, <laughs> that's a basic thing. And it's bonkers to me that people think that that's some sort of uh, radical idea. So, you know, right wing outlets, they use these boogeymen like the government or immigrants or people of color and try and frighten rural America into inaction uh, because they know that if, if people actually collectively voted in their own interest, that they're, they're screwed. Right. And so the Richmond north of Richmond, if, uh, if, if the working class actually got together, they have something to be afraid of, right? And so that's that's a huge problem. So, so that's where this whole right-wing propaganda campaign has, is, is, is coming from. At the end of the day, I just feel um, like uh, this whole AstroTurf campaign was super divisive um, and, uh, and, and, and really problematic. And it's mainly because it came from Dan Bongino, who is not a good guy. He's a very divisive person who I don't think has the best interest of this country in mind. Um, and it's not just because I disagree with him politically. It's because listen to him. You know, he, he he's not a great dude. He, he's spreading conspiracy theories and uh, he's part of this whole thing. Now, in the last couple of days, Oliver Anthony has released a YouTube video that's about 10 minutes long. Really interesting. You should go listen to the whole thing. Don't just see don't just see the clips that are on social media, but actually go watch the whole thing. And, you know, he he expresses himself in it in, in a really good way. And um, and he says that this song was not meant for um, uh, to, to, to prop up the GOP. The song was not meant to prop up the politicians who were at the debate this week. Um, and uh, but he also he also said that it wasn't a song that was meant to bring Biden down. Um, it, he said it's not necessarily about Biden. It's, it's a problem bigger than that. I don't think he's a left wing guy. I don't think he's a Biden supporter. I think he, he from what he's presented so far, he seems pretty populist. And so um, I appreciate that. Now, I don't think that that makes him left wing all of a sudden. I've seen some people pitch it like that. And I'm like, I don't think that he's like some big Democrat either. So just chill and let the guy express himself. He, you know, he's, he's a person with his own beliefs. And um, I honestly want to give him the benefit of the doubt um, because I think he has talent. I think he has skills. And um, and I hope that he, he will use his voice in the in the sort of lineage of musicians who are fighting for working class people, but people like Woody Guthrie. Right. Um, uh, people who are, who are writing songs uh, about the unions, about the working class, about how we can fix um, those problems. People like Hazel Dickens, who's a, a bluegrass uh, a singer from the 1970s. She was amazing. Same thing. Working class um, miners. Um, that, that was kind of the core of what her message was. And um, uh, fighting for um, collective action better pay, healthcare, all those sorts of things. So I hope that he can see the long story tradition in country music um, that, that comes from the perspective of the workers and wants to promote what's in the best interest of working class here in America.
All right. And the last song I want to talk about, um, not just the song, but uh, but a whole album, is uh, from Zach Bryan. Now, Zach Bryan has been uh, blowing up these last couple of years and is one of the more interesting stories in all of music, I think, because he's starting off on YouTube, which many people have done. But um, but he comes from the the, the, the country folk um, uh, tradition in American music, and uh, we haven't seen a huge country star come off of the the social media landscape uh, in the same way that Zach Bryan has. And uh, man, he caught fire, and he is just going crazy. Um, his shows are huge. He's you know sold, selling out uh, uh, arenas and having uh, people on stage with them, and his his fans are singing at the top of their lungs. And he's sort of like country music's Taylor Swift. You know, if uh, the Swifties are all, um, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the their own kind of vibe, Zach Bryan has his own uh, kind of uh, uh, country music uh, sort of vibe on that. I've heard um, uh, the term Zacholites, uh, which I think is funny, um, like Swifties, the, the Zacholites, because the people who are into him are all about him for sure. And you don't want to cross them as I did accidentally. And it was funny um, with the TikTok video. But nonetheless, um, uh, a lot of respect for this guy and his, his songwriting, his story is very genuine working class guy from rural Oklahoma who served in the Navy and he just seems kind of like your you know basic salt of the earth kind of a guy which is is, is cool and I like that I appreciate that um, I think that's that's the thing that resonates with uh, so many of his fans is he seems like an everyman he seems like a guy you went to high school with uh, that lives down the street from you you know and and, and and just somebody that you can connect with and identify with but which is a cool thing his new album features some incredible artists like the war and treaty I'm a huge fan of those guys uh casey musgraves i like her and uh sierra farrell and i'm a big big fan of sierra farrell and her weird west virginia voice it's 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 really cool and so i appreciate that he has these artists on there for a couple of reasons um uh, one um they represent people of color uh women and um and you know um, casey musgraves has been a huge advocate in in the country music world for the lgbtq community and um so i think that that's great um, to pick artists like that. Um, there's been a huge problem in country music of getting uh, women, people of color, um, uh, you know, uh, cr- crowds like that on the radio and, and promoting them. And so I, I think it's a, I think it's an incredible thing that he he put those artists on his newest album because he could have had anybody, anybody would have been on this album. I, people were lining up to be on it. I mean, this dude is like, he is huge right now. Um, the thing I also liked is that there's a song called El Dorado is hard for me because i usually pronounce it el dorado we have an el dorado near us uh but um he, he announced that the um uh, the, the song el dorado all the profits from that song would go to a charity that works with vets vets to help with uh suicide prevention and this is a thing that i think is one of the most unspoken uh under uh, under talked about things in in america right now around 20 vets uh take their life every single day on average and that is unbelievable to me 20 the number is 20 every single day, today, tomorrow, yesterday, the day after tomorrow, that's going to happen. And that's tragic to me. It's unbelievable um, that that more people aren't talking about this. These are people who served their country. They took time out of their life uh, to put themselves in harm's way, uh, to do things, to, to kind of collectively protect us. Um, and, 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 you know, you could, you could be opposed to the military industrial complex like I am, uh, but still respect the hell out of people who joined the Navy, who joined the Marines, who joined our armed services and, uh, and, and go do that because it's an important thing. And, and, you know, every country, every nation, you know, in the world's history has had some sort of like, protective force like that it's it's a very normal thing and so the people who do that i have nothing but respect for and it just really 
bums me out and and is, is so tragic to me that this number is so high and and so few people are talking about this. This is completely a bipartisan issue. This is not an issue that anyone is going to say, you know, I want more vets doing that. I mean, that's that's an absurd idea, right? And so this is something that can bring us together trying to um, to do something to um, uh, to to stem that, to to um, uh, bring some relief, some 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 kind of help um, to to vets who are in that situation. Obviously, mental illness is a big part of this conversation, so providing uh, mental health um, services, trying to change the conversation in the military community about um, it being okay to go to therapy, it being okay to talk about your depression, it being okay to talk about um, things that you're struggling with. And um, I, yeah, I think just a lot of a lot of change needs to come in that world. And I'm all for anyone who has ideas and, and wants to help that. I think that's a beautiful thing. I love that Zach is using his massive platform to do something good um, and, 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 and to bring people together in this unifying uh, sort of a way. And again, you know, I just love that this isn't like some kind of coded right wing campaign. Um, like, obviously, try that in a small town was very much right wing. You know, it's not even like trying to be something else. Um, and it's it, it's a kind hearted way to help real people. Um, and, and, and I just feel like we all want to help. Uh, we want to help in that situation. Uh, so I just can't say enough how important these things are as our institutional structures fail to meet the moment and we don't have leaders who are meeting the moment that we're in. It's amazing to see individuals step up and do the right thing because we're not seeing a lot of politicians do that. We're not seeing leaders on on, on that level who are doing stuff like this. So there's kind of a, a vacuum, right? And and it's, it's great that Zach Bryan is stepping into that vacuum and doing that. And to me, that's the beauty of music. It can bring us together. It doesn't have to divide. Again, we need to live in a country where people have various ideas and disagreements and they don't agree with each other on every single thing. That's completely fine. I want to have those conversations. I think that is needed and it's good and it helps us to develop a stronger nation. But uh, what we're seeing is uh, people weaponizing our divisions. And so I think um, in those first two songs, I, I don't I, I, I don't want to put the blame on Oliver Anthony. Um, I, I don't think he was part of the AstroTurf campaign. But the people who were, you know, the Dan Bonginos, the Jason Howertons, the Ben Shapiros, the Matt Walshes, those people are the ones who are dividing us. Those are people who get on YouTube and social media every single day and and, and try and um, pit the algorithm against us, try and get us angry and foaming at the mouth and uh, reviling each other. And that is that is the huge problem. Try that in a small town is not trying to bring us together. It's not trying to unify us. It's not trying to make our democracy stronger. It's doing the exact opposite. And they know what they're doing. And that's what frustrates frustrates me so, so much. And the last example is Zach Bryan, complete opposite, right? Like he's, he's using music to say, like, let's just do stuff that we can agree on and, and, and bring real help to real people who really need it. And I think that's a fantastic thing. So there you go. Good on you, Zach Bryan, for putting out a great album and including incredible artists. It sounds great. It came out on Friday and uh, the track with Sierra Farrell is amazing, beautiful. Your voices blend uh, well together. And uh, we'll see what's on the horizon for Oliver Anthony. I'm hoping for the best, giving him the benefit of the doubt. Um, I, I think he's a talented guy and I, and I hope for the best with him. Aldine. Not much hope for that dude. I think he's the worst. Um, I think he's a rich guy who comes from a bigger town and he lives in a mansion uh, with his uh, his wife, Insurrection Barbie. So, you know, not much hope for that dude in any way. But uh, but the rest of these things, I think we can um, uh, we we can get behind you know the the messages of the Zach Bryan album and uh, hopefully uh, in the future Oliver Anthony will um, 
we'll, we'll give some stuff that um, that's a, a little more on the unifying tip of things. So there you go. Um, I appreciate you listening to my, my rants on all this and uh, hope you're doing well out there. And uh, yeah, find some good new music and listen to it. Listen to that Zach Bryan album. It's good stuff. Have a good one, everybody. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. Just a quick reminder to follow me on social media, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok. Like and subscribe to the show wherever you're listening to this. Leave a rating and tell a friend. Also, big thanks to Charlie Marks for providing the music for the show. Until next time, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs>